Mauricio hits one out of sight. What a shot by Mauricio. Back well to the back of the berm. Hey everyone, welcome back to the 139th episode of Shea Station. It's Wednesday, March 15th at 11.45 a.m. This is not a PPP. We're breaking up the schedule routine because there's actually a ton of news to talk about from Met Spring Training Camp as we are three weeks out from opening day, if you can believe that. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly, joining me on his iPad because his computer is malfunctioning is my guy, Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how are you doing? Uh, apart from the malfunctions, I'm doing wonderful. Um, heading down next week to do a couple of games in the booth. Mm. Uh, exciting times. Uh, spring training is so compact now. Uh, with the WBC, it just feels like an absolute blur. I agree. And uh, do you want to tell the people who your co-host in that booth might be? Yeah, on the first day, we're going to be, it's going to be me and Gelb sitting alone in the, beside each other. It's I'm pretty so exciting. That. That's going to be great. That is going to be yeah. fantastic. I think it's going to be his first time doing play-by-play. Yeah, which is going to be and, weird. And it's my second time in the Mets booth, like fifth time overall. So we're just going to be, you know, usually I'm holding Gary Cohen's hand to guide me through. <laughs> And him and I are just going to be holding hands trying to get through it. Yeah, you're technically the vet in this situation. You're the <laughs> I still think I would consider him the vet. A <laughs> couple of first-timers in the booth. That should be fun. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, as I mentioned before. A lot of guys killing it in spring training. A lot of guys slumping. Some injuries, some cuts. There's some big things we got to talk about. Before we get into all that, got to tell you about the sponsor for today's Chase Station episode, which is the DraftKings Sportsbook. If you are a college basketball fan, you know that March Madness is right around the corner and the 64 best teams in the country are ready to go. Right now, DraftKings, they're offering all new customers $200 in bonus bets instantly after they place their first $5 wager. You can use that bonus bet money on some nice parlays, combine a bunch of winners from the March Madness bracket, and get an even bigger payout at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their free and easy use app now. New customers use promo code SHEA, S-H-E-A. Bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHEA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and any resources you might need help with for a gambling addiction are listed down below just for you guys. Thank you to DraftKings for helping us out today. And Jerry, I feel like we should probably start with a bit of downer news because it is the biggest media piece I think we have. Uh, yeah, I think you're talking about Senga's finger. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the, uh, the injured <laughs> index finger. No, I, I think it's the Jose Quintana. Like, yeah. first and foremost, you know, uh, outside of baseball, pretty scary stuff. He had uh, a, basically a tumor on his rib cage. Thank goodness the test came out benign because that's a that's a scary thing. So, you know, um, happy to hear that it's benign. Also, um, understand that there's some scary things going on there. So first and foremost, to the person, the family, the friends of Jose Quintana, uh, that's pretty, pretty scary stuff. Yeah, I think that's the the best way to put it, because it is an injury that is larger than baseball. You know, in our PPP, we talked about. Quintana kind of being an innings eater kind of guy. And this is something that I don't think is in his control. You know, this is a lesion that he found on his rib. Uh, hopefully he'll be back by July, but I think his health is the top priority here. Uh, like you said, glad that it's benign because that easily could have been a far scarier thing. And, you know, we have someone on the Mets who had cancer, who had leukemia and Carlos Carrasco. So this is something that probably hits close to home for the entire team. Uh, even if it's a newcomer guy like uh, Jose Quintana. So, 
best of luck to him, best wishes, and hopefully we see him again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from a baseball perspective, I think they said the earliest they could see him is mid-July. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah, so a guy that we had anticipated that's shown his whole career that he can log 150-plus innings, uh, give you a very, you know, reliable, dependable arm. Um, you know, from, again, from a strictly non- just straight baseball apart from the, the human side uh, to if we can eliminate that, which is, you know, again, I just wanted to touch that it's bigger than baseball, yes. but from a baseball standpoint, uh, that's, that's a large shoes to fill and you're testing that depth. We talked about it uh, in spring training when we were there depth that you can never have too much. And baseball has a way of working itself out. You have these plans for a six man rotation at points Baseball will say, guess what? We're gonna we're gonna throw a wrinkle in there because yeah. it's just so hard to to anticipate all the moves, all health. So you're testing that. And um this is a big opening for Tyler McGill and David Peterson, but I think we both kind of have an idea of who slated into that spot. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I talked with Rosie yesterday on baseball today about when was the first domino for the Mets going to fall and when were they gonna need to tap into that depth. Turns out it happened before even the season could kick off, but uh, there was also a lot of other injuries that I think had a lot of fans worried. Starling Marte got hit in the head during a spring training game, had to come out of it. Thankfully, he's not concussed. We mentioned Kodai Senga's finger. Now he's going to start tomorrow, so that's looking better already. Uh, Darren Ruff has arthritis. Abraham Almonte gets injured in the WBC. So a lot of things to deal with already, but obviously Jose Quintana is the biggest one there. With that being said, though, we're going to highlight guys that are doing well in spring training today. And there's two starting pitchers that really catch my eye. And they're two guys that are competing for a spot right now. And they're both kind of killing it in spring training. Yeah. Yeah. David Peterson and Tyler McGill are both like balling out. Um, I think Peterson's the one that stands out the most for me because oh, yeah. he showed the most sustainable success. He had a, a great 2020 had kind of an up and down 21 and then through a lot of external hardships and up and downs and bullpen and rotation he showed that he's very very good and he's shown up in camp this year ready to reestablish. he's got a world-class slider his vela looks good that changeup looks really good uh i've been super impressed with david peterson yeah i mean how can you not be right now in spring training three games eight perfect in or excuse me eight no hit innings no hits allowed four walks in there nine strikeouts no one has a hit off him yet and obviously, you know me, I'm a big Tyler McGill guy, always have been. He's just as in play for that number five spot. Uh, one thing I found really interesting, MLB.com, uh, somebody had a report on Quintana's injury yesterday, and obviously they talked about the McGill and Peterson factor in it. In the article, it says that during McGill's last start in the Grapefruit League, he took some ticks off velocity because of advice he got from Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Now, we saw... Uh, McGill go high 90s, even 99, I believe, on opening day last year. And we saw him sitting like 92, 93 in that start and still very efficient, still able to get outs. And he's saying the reason for it is because he wants to be uh, able to be more energetic in the middle innings of starts, that fifth, sixth inning where we really saw him tail off last year. So if this is kind of an effective solution, that's great. But also we've only seen him throw a max of four innings so far this year. So I'm really interested, uh, interested to see how that pans out. Yeah, these are the things that that you learn. This baseball is not like your normal typical sport. This is something where experience, learning your own body, being able to make adjustments to yourself as well as the opponent. I remember Verlander uh, in those like 10, 11, 12, 13 years when he was with the Tigers, 
throw 92 93 and then a runner gets in scoring position and he's 97 to 99 like he just has that ability i think that might be something lost in today's world where kids are all about kids again i feel like an old man (laughs) saying that but like the newer version of of baseball is all like the showcase how hard can i throw how can i repeat it the whole time it's so it's always max effort um as a starter you're gonna have to grind some and and that's a lost ability and so i think learning from guys like scherzer and and verlander who have been through it that's gonna help you pick your spots where to reach back and and fire because you can't throw a hundred pitches a game at a hundred percent velocity. Like right. it's impossible. So I do think it would be hilarious if you were up in the booth and uh, calling all the players on the field, kids, you'd really tap into your inner Keith and Ron there. You know, you're full of <laughs> kids these days. It'd be good. You know, That's the truth. Up. I don't know. Uh, I think it's dealing with two, <laughs> two uh, toddlers that I just call everybody a kid. Uh, even I'll call my older brother kid just to make him mad. But uh <laughs> They're definitely not kids. I mean, they're, you know, Verlander's older than I am. That's so. what I'm saying. There's a lot of old kids on this Mets team. This is my uh, kind of team. They're all my age. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anywhere anywhere specific you want to jump to? Because there's definitely kids we can talk about, but also some older guys are doing really well in Mets spring training camp as well. Yeah, there, there's a few spots. I, I like the bullpen because there's, you know, we call it the high five. We have the five established guys. Shirt the high on five. the way? Shirt on the way? I hope so. Oh, I like goodness. that. I'll represent anything bullpen. Those who know, um, know. But we have a couple of spots open, and there's some guys really performing. You've got um, Tommy Hunter's looked really, really good. Hell John yeah. Curtis has looked really good. There's guys battling for that last spot. There's options. There's not options. Um, so there's, there's some just – depth pieces that have made this team look good in the back of the bullpen. Has anybody stood out to you? I mean, obviously, if you're a Gary Apple fan, you got to shout out Jimmy Yacobonis, best name on the team. Five shutout innings for him so far, no walks and six strikeouts. Him, Tommy Hunter, and Sam Coonrod, all five innings, no earned runs throughout their play. And they're all kind of competing together for a spot. I mean, we, we saw... Nagosik kind of in that that last man role. Bryce Montes de Oka got some run last year. But these are kind of new guys on the block that really want to fill out the end of that bullpen. And as far as I know, it's probably going to be two spots, if I if I had to guess. Because you have your high five of Diaz, Adovino, Robertson, Rayleigh, Smith. And then there's kind of two spots left in a typical seven-man, maybe eight-man bullpen. And there's four yeah, guys. Yeah, go eight-man, really especially early. Even if it's eight man though, that's three spots for four guys because John Curtis is also in the mix who the Mets signed last year to a player uh, player option kind of deal, and he has five innings, one and run, and he leads the team in strikeouts with ten. And there are guys that have thrown eight innings at this point that haven't struck out as many batters as Curtis, so his stuff looks really, really good. He does. He looks great. You you talked about Coonrod, who has just electric stuff himself, yeah. throwing ninety nine. Who apparently has been um, pitching his whole career with like an injury, and now that's not part of the equation anymore, which I found really interesting. Yeah, uh, they have options, man. That's one of the beautiful things that this front office has done. I don't know how they get it, but they sign really quality guys, all battling out for a couple of spots. If I'm, you know, if I'm Sam Coonrod, I'm like. Hmm, where do I have a better chance at making this team? I might choose a different <laughs> route, but he can show out here. Um, even if he doesn't make a team, he can get signed, whatever the case may be. These guys are are really good ball players. So the, the bullpen's battles up. Tommy Hunter's pitching great. 
Gary Apple's favorite, Jimmy Yacobona, Sam Coonrod, <laughs> John Curtis has looked great. Uh, Montez de Oca, didn't he come out of the game with an injury? Yeah, yep. he had a forearm strain, which is what we thought. Apparently, there's no ligament damage. It's a stress reaction in his elbow is what they found out. So now he's not going to throw for a couple weeks, but otherwise, quote unquote, has avoided the worst, which is a good sign. So the, the stress reaction is a bone. Yeah. That's like a stress fracture, they call it. It's basically your bone on the verge of breaking. Um Last year, DeGrom went through it. Yeah, uh, We had Zach Wheeler go through something similar in different places. This one's like in the elbow area. So rest is the only way to, to let your bone heal. So yeah. And it's usually the guys that are throwing 100 with ease. And they just kind of yeah. there's, a, there's, there. a, there's a terrible joke mixed in there about letting your bone heal. Um, I'm, not, I'm just going to leave it alone. You can't shout out the kids. In I the have it. Episode. I'm not going to do it. All right, good. You're refraining? Contain no, after we stop recording, I'll tell you the terrible. The you gotta terrible start. You gotta clean up your potty mouth if you're gonna be in the booth in like a week. Man, all right, you can't be saying this on live. <laughs> My today. maturity will never. It'll, it'll never get better. Uh, we gotta talk about the kids as well because yeah, let's have. This is the fun one. This is every. This is the talk of the town for sure. This is the the battle of the the baby. You know the baby boomers coming in. The baby. <laughs> Uh, I thought you were going to call them baby bombers for a second. I was like, whoa, I wasn't we, can't, we can't do that. Uh, the talk of the town, at least for me, is Ronnie Mauricio, who I love the way you put it on Twitter. He's refusing to let himself be the forgotten man, the odd man out by having an absolutely incredible spring. Five extra base hits, eight RBI. He has a 1.090 OPS and all four of his home runs look, they look like they've traveled 500 feet each. He's a monster. Yeah, I mean, he's... His offense has always kind of been there. There's a lot of swing and miss in him. Mm. He's not a huge on base guy, but if you're going to pop homers like that, you don't need to get on base. You can you can take those big swings. Um, and from a guy, he's played some solid defense this spring training. Yeah. Everybody's trying to get him to move to the outfield, but the value of having a shortstop that can hit homers, like there's a reason why he's sticking around. He can make he can make our club better now in the short term. Uh, by being like a fifth outfielder, but that's yeah. not good for him. It's not good for the team in the long run. This guy's too valuable still. He has to move himself off of shortstop, and yeah. he honestly hasn't done that yet. Well, the thing that I think nobody wants to hear, but I definitely think it's worth discussing, is that, in my opinion, Ronnie Mauricio's value is now at an all-time high because he leads spring training in home runs. He has multiple highlight-worthy plays. I mean, the walks still aren't there, but the strikeouts have actually been less than his career rate. Five strikeouts and 26 at-bats, so that's a little under 20%, which is kind of around the Pete Alonzo range, although, you know, very small sample size. It's something that I got to believe the Mets are thinking about because they haven't moved him off shortstop, like you said, and, you know, if Mauricio stays with this team, he's not going to be playing shortstop. That's just a fact of the matter. Lindor has that spot for the next decade so I don't know what they're weighing right now, but all I know is Ronnie Mauricio is not going out quietly, which I really, really like because the dude is an absolute spectacle to watch on the field. We got to see him firsthand, and I could not believe how tall he looked even from like 100 feet away. He's big, and uh, he's younger than everybody else we're going to talk about. Which is That's crazy. what's amazing. I feel like he's been a top prospect since 2006, yeah. but uh, you know he's still only 21. That's <laughs> so nuts. 21. I mean, the other young kid we got is of, you know, we're going to talk Brett Beatty deservedly. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk Mark Fientos deservedly. Uh, he's younger than both of those guys. Crazy. Yeah. Beatty is 23, which, you know, still baby, but like Mauricio being 21 is nuts. 
Um, Brett Beatty, though, leads all Mets hitters with 11 hits, a 379 batting average. He's having a marvelous spring, made a great play yesterday in the spring training game. He's got a double, a homer, five RBIs, four walks, and eight punch outs, 988 OPS. Uh, you know, with Eduardo Escobar kind of slumping and then heading over to the WBC, it's kind of been the Brett Beatty show. He's been getting a ton of run at third base. And I know that he's he's not going to start the year with the team. I'm putting that out there. It's it's probably a fact of the matter at this point. But every time I watch him play, it just he he looks he looks ready, man. He looks ready. I don't know. Is that the fan in me? Might be the fan in me. No, I don't think it's the <sighs> fan in you. I don't think it's the fan in you. Really I good. was in the camp that you're talking about. I was like, there's no way this kid starts on the big league roster because he needs plate appearances. Yeah. I really, really am very impressed with what I've seen from him. Um, he looks polished at the dish. You know, he, he's he's not going to hit 379 and slug 517 no. all the time. But his approach looks good. I've been more impressed with what I've seen from him at third base. Some of that work. Uh, yep. Keith talked about it on the broadcast. He's made three plays to his left. He's shown some just more overall awareness, a higher baseball IQ, a more comfortable you know, he's growing into his adult body kind of moves. Um, I could see a scenario, very, very good scenario where this is your starting third baseman from day one. And I, I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of camp. And I said the opposite, um, right. but I can definitely see this. I can see him being the everyday first baseman. If, if when Escobar comes back, he still continues to slump. Um, what a valuable piece to move Escobar on the bench and right. let him rotate and get get quality at bats. Uh, if Beatty comes out firing, and you can he has options. You can always go up and down. Right. But uh, the guy looks great. I mean, I love that you mentioned Escobar as a bench piece because switch hitting, third base, second base, valuable veteran experience played last year. Uh, it does complicate the bench situation, which we will touch upon in a little bit. Also, have to mention Mark Vientos, who's also hitting the ball very, very well. One thing I definitely want to point out after I highlight his numbers, three doubles, two homers, nine RBIs for Mark Vientos, and 813 OPS, he has struck out 17 times in 39 at-bats, and that is not going to play. That's about a 50% clip. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the difference, though, between him and where he's at and where Beatty's right, at is right. not only, you know, he's he's only walked once. Like, yeah. uh He's got a good swing, but he's swinging at everything. And big league pitching during the season when they're not working on stuff will take advantage of that. He's, he doesn't look as ready. He looks very good, and he's going to be a, a big leaguer at some point, but he doesn't look ready. Um, I don't think so. Again, yeah. this is my my eye. He has looked all right over at first base, better than I thought he would, but he's still not great over there. And we have a guy named Pete Alonso that wants to play over there every day. Right. Um, I don't see him factoring in again, the DH thing is there with, with rough, not looking great the last year coming in. He's still dealing with that wrist that we talked about and he's got arthritis that's zapped his power. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a bigger issue than we even know about could be that wrist and Vientos could be that right-handed DH guy. I just don't – I think seasoning is needed for Vientos. Some polish around his – you know, for how good Beatty's looked, and we yeah. talked about he's looked more polished, more more like a big leaguer. I think Vientos still looks like he's 
pushing a little bit. And that's the thing, because like when we did our PPP uh, on Beatty and Vientos, which hasn't come out yet, um, the kind of kind of my whole spiel was that I thought that Vientos was closer because his AAA sample size was more, and you know he was providing that positional versatility. But it's exactly what you said. Like Beatty being great has kind of cast a shadow on that because Beatty now looks like the more polished product, the guy who like you expect to be up sooner. So for Vientos, it's weird because he still had that full season at AAA where he hit really, really well. So to put him back there kind of feels like negative progress, but I do think that he will get a look because the Mets bench situation, I wouldn't call it messy right now. It's just, we kind of don't know where everyone is going to fall. There's a lot of potential pieces outside of like Luis Guillaume is going to be on the bench. I think that's a pretty safe bet. And then you have Narvaez or Nito taking up a spot as well. And a reason for it being complicated is my guy, Tim LaCastro is having a fantastic spring training. And I got to be a homer here because I love Timmy Lowe and I'm glad that he's with the org. But not only is he doing his usual thing of stealing bases, he leads with five stolen bases. He also leads the team with five doubles. He's hitting for extra bases as well. Uh, He's 11 for 31, six extra base hits, seven RBIs, and OPS over one dot uh, as he's trying to compete with Fam, Ruff, Vientos to try and just make that opening day roster and be that fourth outfielder or just pinch runner, pinch hitter type thing. And uh, I'm putting all my eggs in his basket because I'm a Timmy Lowe guy. What can I say? Uh, I like it, man. I really like what he brings to the table. He's a defense guy. He can hit a little bit. Mm-hmm. You saw kind of the value that that speed brings. They tried to to bring Terrence Gore and be that guy, um, you know, and they wanted him to to steal all those bases. But Lo Castro, he can swing it. He can he swing can it. And I mean, he's given me Jankowski. He's given me Gore. But if you can also hit for a little bit of average and not just be a one-dimensional player. That is such a valuable bench piece. Plus, LaCastro plays a pretty good outfield because of that speed. Uh, And we've seen some defensive woes out there from the Mets trying to run out some guys in center field who may be a little bit past their center field days. And Timmy Lowe doesn't look like he's lost a step. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. It's just tough because they've kind of pigeonholed themselves into a situation with the Tommy Pham contract because you're paying him $6 million. You expect him to be a big leaguer. Uh, Tommy Pham's going to be on the team. Yeah. Like it's, it's simple as that. He's, he's, he's part of the bench. It's not going to, even if I wouldn't, he hasn't looked great. Money talks defensively though. and at the plate. Uh, but he's also an established big leaguer that you don't, there's times to discount what they do in spring training and there's times to put emphasis on it. Yep. Uh, that's, this isn't uh, a situation where Tommy Pham struggles. I necessarily think it's going to continue. Um, and I don't think the, the Mets view him as that either. That being said, Lo Castro with, uh, with the bigger bases, with some of the rule changes, with the defense ability, he would be a weapon. That speed is alluring. And, uh, from all accounts, I've heard that he's a really, really fun guy to be around. So, um, I could see them finding a way. So what's it look like if who's our bench right now? So, I mean, all right. So you have your, your starting nine pretty much locked. I think we all know it like the back of our head at this point. So on the bench, the candidates are one of the catchers, which makes sense. I'm assuming we're doing a four man bench, which is standard, especially if you're doing that eight man bullpen that you mentioned. Let's just before. say it's an eight man bullpen Four. Okay. So that'd be a four man bench. So it's Nito and Guillaume are in done. That Boom. leaves two spots for Darren Ruff. 
Tommy Pham, Tim LaCastro, Mark Vientos, and then if you want to bring up Beatty and put him at third, Eduardo Escobar would slide to that bench. So technically, if you include Beatty, there's five men in play for two spots. And based on money, the logic dictates that it would be Darren Ruff and Tommy Pham. But that also kind of feels like the worst scenario. Is that is that harsh to say? Because like that's kind of how I feel. No, I, I think Tommy Pham's guaranteed to have a spot. He's I think too so versatile, too, too yeah. established. They paid him too much money. Darren Ruff, on the other hand, I could see, you know, if they decide to go with a different approach from that right side, Lo Castro could be um, a replacement for that. Like, yeah. I can see a, a scenario. Again, nothing against Darren Ruff. And I, and I know baseball is very hard. I, I don't forget. Um but his woes in spring training are something to be worried about because it's a sustained thing. He's not, yeah. he hasn't been great for a, a little bit. Um, and there was concern coming in. So that's a bit of a concern for me. And it's, uh, but I can see a spot where he's, where LaCastro is the 26th man. I mean, it, I would, it would make me very happy because uh, Ruff, you know, has, arthritis in his wrists now the Mets could find themselves in an IL situation with him so maybe that opens the spot but it hasn't looked good in spring two for 11 five strikeouts 182 batting average fam has gotten a lot of run because he's not in the WBC and he's filling in for guys that have left plus Nimmo kind of load manages you know getting his legs ready and stuff fam is four for 28 he struck out seven times and in my opinion I think he's demonstrated that I don't view him as a center field option it hasn't looked great out there in terms of range and speed and i think we'd be totally fine even good in left field but the mets need to provide themselves with an option for a guy that can play center field that isn't starring Marte because you can't put Marte at any risk here whatsoever i mean the, the head injury is one freak thing but you know this is a guy you're going to need for the full stretch run and that was highlighted by how badly the mets fell off in september without him so I don't want him in center field either, right? So it kind of you're kind of in a tough situation there where I think they're probably going to put Fam in center anyway and just see what happens, but I don't feel great about it. I agree and and it looks like Fam hasn't played much center field since 21. Yeah, that's about right. I think he got maybe yeah. 15 games of run. So he's there. never really been a, an amazing defensive player to begin with. Um, yeah. he's been very good. It's a confusing signing. Yeah, yeah, that does kind of strap you a little bit. But I think they, again, I think most of his effectiveness is off the bench yeah. uh, as yeah. with the bat. So I could see a scenario where they, again, where they have LaCastro come in, pinch run, and then play outfield. Yeah. And I think that'd be great. I think, but the only way that happens, I do think, is if Ruff starts the season on the IL. I don't, I still don't feel like there's a scenario where he gets cut because I think that the Mets gave up too much to just cut him but also like what do we have there like what 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 are, what is the Darren Ruff that we're really going to see in 2023 because it's not inspiring a ton of confidence it kind of sounds like from quotes that they're not totally sure what his injury entails like how the severity of it how long it'll be bothering him whether it'll stop bothering him at all uh, which is really concerning um, but at the same time you're stuck with it. You know, this is a guy that you have for not only this year, but next year as well. So this is something you've committed yourself to as well as the Tommy fam, $6 million. 
Yeah, I think if he's hurt, they're going to figure out what it is, how to treat it, try to get him back. And I could see that being an IL trip and maybe a 60 day to give themselves that roster spot um, just to be like, look, man, we don't know what it is. You don't look great. You haven't looked at for a while. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's get you better for the future too. So um, I can definitely see that, but I can also see them cutting bait. I'm not going to lie. I can see them, but if he's hurt, you can't do that because he's hurt. And I mean, the Mets have done this, but John Curtis, who's having a terrific spring training, was a guy that the Mets signed to help him heal for a full year. And then he came back and he's probably going to be on the team come opening day. So that I think that side of it is not completely far-fetched, but yep. they also cut bait with Cano. So who knows, honestly. Again, all different. They all can do whatever different. they want. Yeah, I just really like the the speed is so much fun to watch and bigger reliable bases. defense and he's hitting a little bit that's has been his downfall is he's he's you know swinging a wet noodle up there the right. last few years i mean sub you know mendoza line kind of approach so right. if he can put the bat to the ball um he could be a ball player, man. Yeah, and that's why the the panning of the fam signing feels a little unfair, a little twenty twenty vision. Because I don't think the Mets were banking on Tim LaCastro coming out and being a great hitter in spring training. It's a good problem to have though, because now you're giving yourself options. You have you know avenues you can take there. Uh, so the Mets bench I find very very intriguing because you know this is gonna be a team that plays a little platoon game. You know mixes and matches a lot of guys, and that would be a great guy to have on the bench. Yeah, even if he doesn't make the opening day roster, I think they're going to talk to him and be like, look, man, we've got some things ironed out. We really like what you bring to the team. Uh, it's a it's an area where we have a need. If you go down in Syracuse, we'll give you an out at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, let's let's keep it together. Stay in the family. Uh, so if we don't see him even on opening day, I can I can see him at some point early in the in the season if things kind of shake out. It'll be hard to keep guys, though. Yeah, it'll be hard to keep. And, like, there's not a lot of playing time to go around on a team that, like, has huge expectations like this, which is why I feel like Vientos is probably a AAA guy, you know? Yeah, but a guy like LeCastro doesn't need playing time. He right. he can sit on the bench, stay stay ready, do his thing. Again, speed is your, your asset, speed and defense. You can get practice on that all you want. And if you come in and you hit 220, what a bonus. Yeah. So I want to ask you one more thing before we kind of start to wrap up a little bit here. Uh, Fangrass roster resource. We talked about the bullpen a little bit before. So you have your high five set in stone, done, good, whatever. The last three spots they currently have going to John Curtis, Steven Nagosik, and Elisa Hernandez. Now Hernandez hasn't had a great spring, six earned runs in six and two thirds innings. And I haven't seen much of Nagosik. Uh, I actually would have to pull up his stats. Do you think that's how it's going to end up come opening day? Do you think those four guys we mentioned before, only one of them makes the cut at the end of it? Uh, Hernandez isn't having a very good spring. If I'm fired. Nagosic hasn't been awesome either, but also smaller sample size, three and two thirds innings, two earned runs from who Uh, Nagosic. Okay. And then Hernandez is, hasn't been very good either. No, not terrific. No. Yeah. And so I have a heart like Negosic has uh, no more options. Right. So I can see them holding on to them. I think Hernandez has an option. I believe he does. Yeah, he has one. Yeah. And I think that's more of a like you can be our swing guy. Yeah. Kind of approach. I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll go with their best arms in the bullpen. If they need to get multiple innings out of Tommy Hunter and that's their guy. John Curtis uh, makes this team, I believe. I think they're 
year in advance of planning this out looks sure. smart and yep. they like to make themselves look smart. Um, so that's perfect. Yeah. How about, uh, so it's really, Curtis there's still really an option one, too. maybe two spots. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Um, I also didn't know that Drew Smith has two options. That's interesting. Don't think we'll see him down, but still. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one. not impossible uh, at some point if he struggles in the beginning of the year, but this guy is uh, makes your team the best if he's there. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, l- a couple last things we should touch on. We talked about Montes de Oca. Uh, Zach Green got returned to the Yankees. The Mets tried him out. He was a Rule 5 pick in camp, follows Shea Station, which is unfortunate. Would have liked to see him make the team, uh, but he gets returned to the Yankees. Uh, so good luck to him. Hopefully he can crack their club this year because they have some injuries. So they have some spots open. So maybe there's an avenue there. And then uh, the Mets announced their first round of cuts. Uh, the biggest names here, Jose Budo, who actually looked really good in his spring training run. He's also another starting pitcher option. Our guy, Kevin Parada. And then Alex Ramirez, is another top prospect, mostly pitchers in that first round of cuts. But uh, yeah, that's where things pretty much stand right now. Here's my guess on the bullpen. Yeah. So I think like a Negosic is an option. Him or Hunter, I think, are battling it out. Mm. Curtis is on the team. And I can see Joey Lucchese being that kind of longer you know, relief guy. I forgot about Joey Lucchese. He's kind of been... People do. He's a dog, mature. as we know. He's, he's a, a dog. I'm a dog. <laughs> The yeah, best I quote. think he's already opened. He's already said in that interview that he's open to to the bullpen. Yeah, um, just being a guy that they can rely on, and so I could see him moving there and being kind of a, a lengthier. You know, if I need to start, I will, yeah. or if I need to pick up, you know, five innings out of the bullpen, I'm your guy. And I don't mean it as a slight from Lucchese, but if he does end up in the rotation at some point, that means that things have gone horribly wrong. But I think he's, you know, he he would be a viable option, but also. Someone's got to fill out that Trevor Williams role. We're going to need it. We needed it big time last year, and he came through big. I'm very curious to see who it's going to be this year, whether it's Elisa or Lucchese or Quintana comes back and it's one of Petey and McGill. Should be very interesting. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's all we got for our little that's spring show. That's show. From my iPad to you. 